Um, okay, um, we're rolling now. Uh, I'm going to count us down. Three. Two. I'm just doing it. It's actually happening right now. Uh-huh. i to stop Facebooking. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. This is the retrospective that's introspective. If this is your first time listening on this podcast, Lex Michael and I introduce each other to mediums that we love, enjoy, grew up with, and we discuss our first thoughts and our retrospective opinions, and we make fun giggle-em-ups. We really need a more concise version of this pitch going forward. Maybe, but like that's, we need to, that's like, what we got. I like the retrospective that's introspective, but I feel like we have to contextualize it, right? Yes. I feel like that's a good button. It's like we explain what the show is, and then we hit that, and then that will will like really work. It'll drive the point home. Right. I feel like that works. Everything leading up to that, we need to, both of us need to refine just okay. ever so slightly. All right. Well, if. No, but leave all this in. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's, I'm just saying, if you guys at home have an idea, if anyone, how best to describe if anyone it. has a degree in marketing, please uh, reach out to us at Missing Outcast on Twitter, M I S S I N G O U T C A S T. See, I listen yes. to you. Thank you. I don't, I only know how to spell uh, parroting back what Tari does. Yes. Um, so make sure to parrot this back. You can find me at Tari J, G-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. And I am all over all forms of social media that I know about at the Lex Michael. Actually, that's not true. I'm not on Snapchat. Is there still Snapchat? There's no Snapchat, yes, right? Snapchat's I'm not on that. real popular. I'm not on that as anything. Okay. But I'm on the rest of them. Good. Um, well, get on that. Get on, get on Snapchat. Eh. Fine. Don't. It doesn't matter. Nothing really matters. Can you do honest. that on Instagram now? Can't I do Instagram on uh, Snapchat? I don't Can't think I do so. Can do Snapchat on Instagram? I don't think you can do... So, you can never do Instagram on Snapchat, but sometimes you can do Snapchat on Instagram. Because yes. in the stories thing on Instagram, yes. like basically yes, the same... Is. See, this is when I feel old. <laughs> like, I don't feel old very often. This makes me feel old, is talking about uh, different social media platforms and yeah. when they come and when they go. Vine is no longer a thing. That's correct. Right. That one I remember. Um, and uh, Friendster, that's gone. I think I think AOL Instant Messenger pretty recently finally just stopped being a thing. Yes. It's over. Um, and then also... Um, there was another one that is gone forever. Oh, well, technically, MySpace is still around, but it's, but it's more not of a the, music platform. You're right, and you can't even log in anymore. I remembered at some point that I still had an account on there. Yeah. But I can't get into it because it's associated with an email I no longer have access to. Right. And I've tried to like troubleshoot around it because if I could delete that account, I would want to. Nope. They don't care. Nah. No, they're not really looking to help me out. I'm sure they've also deleted all your information. It's pretty unlikely that it's even still there in its full form if I got in to get rid of stuff. But yeah. I know you can find, I think you can find the the main page of it still if you looked. I don't look anymore. Yeah. Why would you? I don't have a, a band. Uh, so that I don't have a MySpace. That's anymore. true. But if you had a band or if you are a band... Uh, I was trying to figure out like what our segue was going to be. Part of me was like, well, AOL Instant Messenger was super popular over a decade ago. You know what else happened over <laughs> a decade ago? Your your segue might have been better, but I just trampled all over it. Oh, no, it's fine. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of trampling, um, 
I don't know that that was that wasn't good. Um, <laughs> but today we are talking about Masterpiece Theater, the 2009 uh, sophomore album by Marianas Trench. This was my recommendation to Lex Michael. He had never heard it before. This is one of my favorite albums. I have a lot of emotional ties to it. I wanted to um, talk to you about, before I offered any thoughts about any of this, I wanted to talk to you about, yeah, why this album, what specifically it means to you, what experiences inform your relationship with this album. Because I had not only never heard the album, I had never heard of Mariana's Trench. Right. Um, I find that that's the case a lot. Like, unless you have been exposed to Mariana's Trench or you're, you really frequent uh, pop rock, punk rock uh, I don't know, Pandora stations. Sure. Um, you you don't really uh, run into them. I discovered them back in 2009, 2010 uh, with uh, singles from their first album. And then when, when Masterpiece Theater came out, um, it like seemed to be perfectly timed with events that were happening in my life. Um, so when I first discovered Mariana's Trench. Um, I was back living in San Francisco. I was in the midst of uh, lots of things happening. Um, I was, yeah, so like it kind of Lots of things. That does not, there are a lot of things that can happen and you have not even begun to narrow it down. I'm, I'm, I'm starting broad and then like, it, the was whole it, was journalism cone. Were you in the midst yes, of brunch? I was in the midst of brunch and I heard this song and I was like, what is this? And Shazam, I don't think was a thing yet. So I had to let someone. Yeah, Shazam. Well, wait, I remember being like end of end of high school, maybe and Shazam being a thing. When... No, that might not be true. I just vaguely remember being in like in the city in Florida where I went to high school. Uh huh. But it could easily have been years later. That's true. I don't... If you work for Shazam and want to let us know how long your company has been in business, please tweet at us, at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Missing Outcast. Um, Brought to you by Almond Milk. (laughs) Um, Specifically, I was in the midst of uh, one kind of a, a, a really damaging relationship and I was also uh, just. This, post- I don't mean to. I don't mean to cut you off. But yeah. like before we before we waltz right past this one, is this something that you feel comfortable elaborating on at all, or is this yeah, yeah. one of those things where you're just like, it was bad. That's that's it. Um, just ba- just a no, torrent no, no. of badness. No, I can definitely go into the the like guts of it. Um, but yeah, so it, so there was a a very rough two years, kind of that ultimately led to me being in L.A. Um, and this kind of hit me during that time. So like to this day, some of the songs still make me like well up, just kind of reliving those moments. But also, uh, I find this album to be really musically interesting. And, uh, I, uh, I find that the, the main lead singer, uh, Josh Ramsey, he writes all their songs and he does a lot of the compositions. Uh, he puts himself in so much of his music that it, you, I find it very uh, hard to not emote with this, with this music in that, like, I feel like there's so much emotion being exuded that you, that it automatically just resonates. It's interesting because, and I don't, I don't want to sidetrack 
uh, your story too much with my own opinions yet. No, it's fine. But one of the things I found the most interesting was that it felt... All right, so clearly this is a guy who knows how to write a pop song by formula. Yeah. Right? And didn't he, if I'm not mistaken, I was doing a little bit of reading about him. Didn't he at one point put out uh, a book of some kind like with a comedic bent essentially about how to write a pop song? Um, I don't know if there was a book. Was it a book? I, what was it? I, there's a song that they do called Pop 101 where essentially it breaks down the like how to write a, a pop song. Um, oh yeah, and, it is totally in the in the notes I have. It was totally. I don't know why it was it. It's because it's something one hundred and one, and in my head I'm just like, this must be a, a McGraw Hill textbook that I can purchase for an exorbitant amount of money. Right. Uh, but right, and also in the same uh, thought, uh, the same bracket of text that I located this piece of information in. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Homeboy wrote, uh, co-wrote, "Call Me Maybe." Yes. Well, that's fun. Um, yeah, and that was that song wildly successful and about as formulaic a pop song as you can get pretty much. And like, so I bring that up because, and I, I think this is increasingly true and not that I am above way overproduced formulaic pop music. There's some of it that yes, I like just as much as the next person, but I feel like increasingly yeah. we're being driven when we talk about pop music, especially like radio, uh, tracks that get a lot of radio play, for example, it is so but it's so by the numbers and so formulaic that if you told me that this was just made in a computer and not a single human being had anything to do with the production of this track, I might believe you because so much of it, even if it's fun, even if it's got a hook that sticks in your ear, to me is utterly soulless. Not in a malicious way, not like we had got to take it all down. Like, no, not at all. It's pretty innocuous, but devoid of anything recognizably human. Okay. What I found interesting about, or one of the things that I found interesting about this album is a lot of it feels like formulaic pop music in its structure, Mm -hmm. but it actually does, like, it it speaks to what you were saying about how he puts a great deal of himself into it. It feels almost like, yeah, he, he worked his formula, he made these songs, but then injected himself into it right so it's not too far off of i mean there's there's some overlap a lot of overlap uh between their sound and a few other bands of the era that i am vaguely aware of at times a couple of times it sounded a little like the offspring to me okay not consistently and it's really more just his voice in a couple of spots gotcha um (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, a couple of places, especially at first, made me go, man, you really like bands that sound like that Sonic Adventure 2 song. Uh, yep. But that, that wasn't a consistent thing. I, You know what I mean? Like, there are a couple of places where I was very much reminded of something. But, and I think this is to its credit, it didn't feel overly derivative of any one sound. Like, I wasn't sitting there going... Uh, like when you had me listen to the Coheed and Cambria album, and I, I didn't mean this uh, as a negative at all, but almost that whole time I sat there going, this band must really like Rush. Okay, and then of course they they said that they had not heard Rush until after that album came out. At no point did I sit there going, "Oh, this feels very much like this one specific thing that has come before." And I feel like that's exactly what you can hope for, uh, maybe uh, now the most that you can hope for. Because yeah, when it comes to pop music, I feel like we're never, maybe not never, but I feel like it's unlikely that we're going to reinvent the wheel. At right. any point, nobody's really calling for it. We don't have to. These songs are all still wildly successful. So in a world where that's true, I feel like the greatest thing you can hope for is uh, 
that blending of both where you can write your songs that yes adhere to a pretty standard formulaic structure but that actually feel like they have a personality right which i thought every track on this album did yeah i think that this was their first kind of breakout from their so they came they became popular around the time when other bands like My Chemical Romance and... A lot of like, overlap in, in sound there. Although, yes. okay, so what I thought was interesting is... And to like once I, I watched a couple of the music videos. Okay. And I had to remind myself that this album came out in 2002. So nice. when I when I watched the... Uh, the um, Oh, God. It was the video for... Uh, 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 Good to you. Help me. It was all to myself. All there to, we go. Okay. Where it's uh, it's yeah. like the cheapest looking lub shot in an office. Like it's the cheapest, jankiest looking music video. Yeah. And then I had to remind myself that the album came out in 2002. Nine. 2009, right? This yeah. actually drives my point home even more effectively. It came out in 2009. And we were still like technology has been changing and evolving so quickly. Yeah. You could make a pretty high quality music video on your phone now. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case. If you were, even in 2009, if you were trying to work with a very limited budget and you already had to rent an office location maybe, or if you're super lucky, even if you got to shoot overnight in a building you already worked at, right? to pay your, if, especially if you had a crew, you know what I mean? You wouldn't necessarily have the best equipment. So I feel like I could give it, once I contextualized it for myself, yeah. I was able to go, okay, this is actually uh, not totally unimpressive considering the resources I would imagine they were working with. Now, of course, you may turn around and tell me, oh, no, they had a ton of money and that was just the look they were going for. I'd say, okay, don't uh, don't understand. <laughs> but I thought that was – what was my point? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Looking at a couple of the videos that I ended up watching, the dude's uh, – his general aesthetic – Reminds me very much of like Gerard Way, for example. Yeah. It's the hair. It's the fact that it looks like he made himself look paler than he is. It's the eyeshadow. It's the exact like the black button up short sleeve shirt with the tie that's mostly undone around their neck. Right. That is, I'm just not a fan of that aesthetic. Gotcha. It makes like if you're not about to fight Batman, I'm not really sure what you're going for with that look. But a lot of it felt very much like my chemical romance as yeah. an example, like about five or six other acts of the time. Right. It was the, it was, it's the very early, like, so I, I feel guess like mid- I just defended a whole bunch of people that are way into that scene. Probably. I just like, I just lost like 50 followers. <laughs> just there. Like they're all you personally, they're all um, like, while they're applying their eyeshadow, they're just like dropping me. In mass, they're talking to all their friends. Be like, follow this guy just to unfollow him. So uh-huh. no, he, right. he knows how bad we all are. I'm um, sorry. By the way, if this is your aesthetic, like, I, maybe it's just I'm mad that I can't pull it off. Watch me backpedal super hard now so I don't offend anybody. Maybe I'm just angry that I couldn't rock that Why long. don't you try? You try right now. Fun fact. I, uh, I played uh, when I was in... Uh, I went to I went to University of Central Florida for a year, and while I was there, not at the school, offsite, I did a production of Rent, and I played Roger, and I did like the nail polish and the eyeshadow and all that. Didn't do that much with of the hair. Yeah, my hair doesn't really it doesn't behave well. That's the end of that thought. Okay. Just does not behave well. But right. I did the the eyeliner and I did the the nail polish and all that. And actually, uh, eyeliner, I feel like I can actually rock eyelids because I have weirdly long eyelashes. 
Interesting. Couldn't do the hair though. And maybe that's like where it falls apart for me. It's like I could match every other part of this aesthetic. Yeah. And then I would try and do my hair that way. And it would just look disastrous. And everybody would know that I was a poser. Can you do a dope slick back? No. You know? No? No. Probably not. I feel like I would look like I was uh, actively balding if mm. I tried to slick my hair back. Okay. Well, I feel like maybe if you let it grow out a bit more, then you can just go for the the dark shaggy look. Like if you were, what's that guy? The Crow? You could be like The Crow. The Crow. And by the way, apparently they're finally in production on this Crow movie they've been trying to make for a long time, and they're making it with Momoa. Oh, Why? Because, okay, why? Look, if I've been trying to make a Crow movie, if I'm whatever, Sony maybe has the Crow. I'm not positive, actually, who has the Crow. But if I've been trying to make a Crow movie for, like, 10 years, trying to figure out how to reboot this property, and yeah. you can get the the dude who's now Aquaman, the dude that, like, nobody doesn't like Jason Momoa. You know what I mean? Like, whether or not they're a fan of his his Aquaman or whether or not they like Thrones, and they're just like, give me all the Khal Drogo and everything. Put it on my bread. Just butter up the bread with Drogo spread. Uh-huh. By the way, Drogo spread. Drogo spread. Butter, if we weren't sure to be sued, that would be the tagline. Butter up the bread with Drogo spread. <laughs> Yes, missing out. Brought to you by Drogo Spread and I mean, almond milk. Um, as long as we spell Drogo differently, like two O's or two two G's, I think we can get away with it. And we have like a character as part of the logo that looks just enough like Jason Momoa on right. Game of Thrones that it evokes the image, but just far enough that we're not sued by HBO or for. Uh, use improper use of Jason Momoa's like yeah it's got to be I think the rule is a 30% change um basically makes us free from copyright law yes but it's basically like it's basically like uh and don't get me wrong I like the crow and I like clockwork orange but yeah that aesthetic just screams to me it's like okay I want I want to be a clockwork orange if a clockwork orange was a person and then I'm just like well that's that's just terrifying Right. That's just terrifying. But like, no, if you can rock it, you can rock. I think this is me projecting like why, why I feel like I can't do it. Got it. You know what I mean? And yeah. so like I see it and I'm just like, I'm quietly just like jealous of the person that has, <laughs> that has the hair for it more than anything else. Cause like I said, I could put on some of the makeup and I could find the clothes. Yeah. I don't think I have the hair for it. Mm. What if you just went like completely shaved head? I think that might alleviate then, your then problem. Then I would look like a goth Nazi, I think. Gotsy? A Gotsy, yeah. Noth? Well, I'm still stuck on uh, want really wanting to Nots. say Jason Macroa, and now I've said it. <laughs> and I don't think we're going to top that today. Nope. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh <laughs> No, um, um, but okay. So let's let's go so, all the way back. Now that I've now that I've insulted a whole bunch of people and aggressively backpedaled, uh, it's not you guys. It's me. Uh, um, so so take take me back. All right, because we got way 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 sidetracked. Right. So I want to know what was happening in your life when you found this specifically. Like you gave me the broad strokes. Uh, you started to tell me this part of how you ended up in L.A. Things were super bad. There may have been brunch. Yes. What else happened? It was all brunch. No, um. I'm trying to figure out what's what's happening. Um, okay, so from my so yes, when I uh, discovered this album, just in in my life, um, this was it was shortly after my mom had passed away, um, and it was in in the midst of a, a real big depression spell, um, and I was also in this 
really toxic relationship. Uh, and so, uh, toxic. How is that, that, that pressing, they're pressing too much. Am I like straddling? No, no, no. That line I'm, 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 I'm like, those are the, the, that's I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, a, I'm just going to push you right on the tracks, dude. All right. That train, that train's coming. Let you got, me, you got two choices. You can, you can wait for that train to hit you or you can touch the third rail and go out on your own terms. We're doing this. Well, let me get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, like I'll start and then we just do something else. Um, it's like, eventually it's like I'm, I'm getting halfway it's through. Like I'm more afraid of your opening up than you are. <laughs> what happens if you just unveil all of your feel, like you open emotionally like a flower and then I'm just not, I'm just not prepared. What if it consumes me? What if I'm too weak? I don't. Hey, I'm here. Let's I'll, do it. I'll that be train's coming. You. I can either get hit by the train or touch That's, the third yeah, rail and go the third out of my All right, go, 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 go. <laughs> um, so toxic in that um, I was trying to pursue this relationship with someone who wasn't ready to be in a relationship maturity wise, um, and a, a, so essentially um, they were. Um, purposely messing with my emotions so they they would um try to break up with me for no reason and then try to get back together and then mm. at a certain point yeah, they I've, um, I've had one of those they uh slept with someone else got pregnant um and i found out by facebook and it was a whole thing i've had i've had one of those everything up to the getting pregnant part right so uh it, it was a whole thing um so that was part of what was happening. And so like this, the thing that in this story that, and by story, I mean this album that really hits me is that like the, uh, like, for example, there's this line in, uh, in Masterpiece Theater part one that kind of goes throughout part two part and part three, where it's like, this is the part that I uh, try to portray or something to that effect. And that like, while this was going on uh, and while I was trying to deal with the, the grief and stuff like that, I was also trying to make it seem like I was fine and I was okay. And, and so I, okay. So that actually brings me to the next big thought that I have about this album overall. Uh, and it was, okay. It's really interesting to hear you phrase it that way because not every single song in the album, but the majority of the songs in the album, yeah. they're about a lot of the same things that, that the acts that let's say dress similarly sing mm -hmm. about, right? Like it's about this, like this aching and this longing. And it's like, I desperately want to be with you, but you're just unattainable. All of this stuff. It's like, yeah. I need, I'm struggling with, with that. I'm struggling with what I, what I don't have. I'm struggling with trying to appreciate what I do have, who I am, like all of these really big, painful questions. Yeah. But whereas a lot of these other bands play these songs in a way that it just seems like they're hit, like musically, they're just hitting that. And it seems it's like angsty for the sake of angst, and yeah. it ends up feeling a little immature. I'm the last person to call anything immature, <laughs> but like a little bit. Whereas I really appreciated this this interesting juxtaposition in these songs of yes, content wise, as far as lyrics, a lot of the same thematic stuff that we're hitting. Yeah, but so many of these songs are just so like poppy and and like upbeat. Yeah, and so it's like I'm listening to him sing about this this anguish he feels as he longs for another person, but I'm like involuntarily just bobbing my head along to it, <laughs> like smiling while I'm hearing it. Right. Well, and I think that that is, I guess, uh, the motif wise, that is kind of the feel that they're going for and that they're covering all these 
like really sad, deep topics, but also trying to paint it over with a, a poppy brush. And so like in a, in a, in the word, the words are also reflecting the the way that the music happens. It's a lot like my pain is fun. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I appreciated that about it. And that too speaks to the injection of actual personality. Right. Like it feels like there is an awareness and a, a playfulness mm-hmm. and just a, a sense of humor that is present. And even though like, I don't, I mean, I don't think I would have keyed into that if I wasn't listening to this album expecting to talk about it. Right. But really keying into it, like even it starts right up top, like uh, your first track, your masterpiece theater one, and by extension, the entire album opens with an orchestral tune up Mm -hmm. and you're hearing like strings and everything. Like, you know that this band doesn't play like upright cello for example right but you're hearing all these all of these instruments and it feels very much like okay curtain up and then we start and you have this track that that acts like right up top is almost like a backbone to the entire album that you're going to follow and it's bookended at before you get to like bonus tracks uh mm-hmm. bookended at the end of the album with uh, masterpiece theater three which ends up feeling like i mean a perfect bookend in that it feels like a culmination yeah but it feels right from the beginning like they're they're winking like it feels very earnest, but they're also not tongue in cheek, but they're just a self-awareness and a sense of, of play and and um, an acknowledgement that there is a certain performative quality to what they're doing and they're not shying away from it. Right. And I think that makes it a lot easier for me to get into it, because without that, I think my ear would just receive it as well. This sounds like a lot of bands that I don't love that much, Mm -hmm. but hearing the entire album as a whole. Yeah. All of that stuff is there and I find it really hard to dislike any of it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like I, I find that kind of piggybacking off of that idea of it being more performative. Like I feel like the, the idea of it being like masterpiece theater is that they are essentially playing out uh, what I would what I feel like is a, a cohesive story about this person's journey, and but it's also kind of turned up to eleven in in terms of how uh, um, I guess I would equate it to like musical kabuki, in that like they're very much telling and doing these big sweeping movements with their instruments and their words and the, and the way that the music goes out just to kind of make sure that everyone from the front to the back gets the, the like subtleties of it. Um, And I think that like, as you go through maybe on your second or third listen, you'll start to put together all the, the really interesting musical aspects of it in that, like the whole third, um, the whole third masterpiece piece is composed of all the different songs. So every song is melodized in this one piece showing that like the person started in this one place, essentially um, covering up who they are, but then in, in going through this journey um, has taken all of that experience and was able to kind of push through it and move forward. See, see, I, I heard all of that, but while you're saying all of this, now there's this whole separate thought process running parallel to it in my brain, which is I, sh- I sure hope 
I sure hope that he never hears this show because I insulted both his aesthetic and his music video in a very brief amount of time. If if you're listening, any member of Mariana's Trench, you're you're all great. You're all great, and I'm very sorry. I'm I'm sure they're fine. Um, I mean, here's the thing: is that this was their sophomore album, right? right? And so their first album was very much all of the angst and. Um, like the, I guess this it would fall under the the emo genre that all the other bands that we're comparing them to would, and so I feel like this was their first, um, this was their first first foray into being more experimental, and and they get a lot more experimental and they start delving into concept albums in their next couple albums. Um, but I feel like this was the first one where it wasn't just angst for angst's sake; it was them also playing around. Um, if you remember the song Sing Sing. Yeah. Um, that was a song to the fans where essentially after their first album, people really enjoyed them. And, and um, Josh felt a lot of pressure to put out a new album because everyone was like, hey, um, bro, like we like your give me more stuff. Um, and but he didn't feel like he wanted to put out an album just to put out an album and so this was him tr- one but also it was in addition to that he wasn't in a great place when he was trying to put this together one one thing that i i thought was very interesting reading about him a little bit more and bear with me because i want to pull a couple of these things up because i don't want to just stumble through this and get some of this information wrong. Yeah. Josh Ramsey how he uses his music to process and chronicle his struggles with various illnesses and various conditions. Right. Um, so, yes, in Sing Sing, it, he's basically saying, like, everyone's asking him to sing, and, and like, they want... he He's not stable enough to do so. And there's this line where it's basically like, you just need me to be stable, but I wasn't able to keep it together. Um, and I feel like that is the... That is kind of what this album is 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 him kind of working his way to create a sophomore album that people will enjoy but also uh him trying to be the person that they need him to be because it's also reflected in the song perfect where um it's like what you want and what you need is killing me and that like he's essentially all this demand and all this pressure to come up with a a sophomore album and another album is essentially running him ragged, which is a a big thing that is a big thing in bands in that their first, their first album is basically their life's work. It's something that they've been like essentially working up towards when you see this with it up. Right. You see this with uh, like standup comics a lot too. It's like their first album will come out much like bands where it's like, this is all the material in some cases they've been honing and refining for a decade. And like you say, it is, it is experiences that they're drawing from their actual lives. Yeah. And sometimes a band, a comic, what have you might have a couple albums worth of material. And if they do good for them, but if not, then their first record, if their first record's a hit, they go on tour to promote it, and then pretty soon everybody's like, so when's the next album? And if you're writing all new material, not only do you have less time to do it, but what is the life experience that you're pulling from now? Like mm-hmm. going around the country in a bus 
and like playing on stage for a little bit and then going back to the bus and then driving some more. Which yeah. don't get me wrong, there are a ton of really excellent road songs that have come out of exactly that experience. It is, however, somewhat limiting. Right. Um, uh, by the way, I found what I was looking for specifically. Yeah. I just I spe- I really did not want to uh get this incorrect. Uh, but at different times suffered from anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa and also heroin addiction. Yes. So the song Lover Dearest was, it was written by Ramsey. I, I keep going back and forth between his first and last. Josh Ramsey. Yeah, I keep just wanting to, wanting to call him Ramsey. I mean, because it's, it's cool. Yeah. Um, but then but, I also think of Thrones again. I think of Ramsey Bolton and like he's mean. That's less cool. That's we'll super less Josh. cool. I would though. I would go see Ramsey Bolton's band at an open mic just once. <laughs> just what you would too. Don't lie. That's true. What would that be like? Um, I imagine it being real rough and a lot of songs about his dogs. Like I imagine it being like a country music thing where he's always writing about his dogs see, and every so often I, he like takes a bite of like, sausage. I actually feel like Ramsey Bolton could be the evil Josh Ramsey. Ooh. Like his dark mirror. Yeah. Because I feel like I feel like if Ramsey Bolton was a halfway decent singer, his voice would probably sound a little bit like that. I could see that. Um, but uh, so, yes, Ramsey uh, or J-Ram, as J-Ram. we like to call him on, on this show. Uh, J-Ram wrote he while he was in rehab for heroin. One of the exercises was to write a letter to the drug that they're trying to get over. And that's how Lover Dearest came about in that. This song is about his desire to leave uh, heroin, but heroin having this great hold on him. Um, and so, like, yeah, he's he's been through a lot. Um, in some of the later albums, uh, I think it was either, a, I think it was Astoria, was the story about him basically being in the hospital for a good amount of time. Um and in the midst of his like marriage falling apart and things of that sort, um, so like he he's he's lived a life. This guy he's he's lived a rich, sad life filled with great music. Yeah, but but one one hopes that he's able to use, as it seems very much like his intention has consistently been. One hopes that he can use his art to channel that yeah. and to hopefully you know art isn't necessarily therapy but it can be vastly and massively therapeutic mm-hmm. so hopefully just as a way to exercise some of these demons my my hope is that and i don't i don't know uh josh ramsey if you're listening and you want to let us know how you're doing please tweet us at missing outcast m-i-s-s-i-n-g-o-u-t-c-a-s-t uh, but, uh, that's, that's my hope. And it seems like, yeah, like what a great way to do it. And also in a way where you can connect with people. And if people know what your story is, it's a great way to reinforce, like there's, if you, if you commit to helping yourself and to seeking outside help as well, there's, there's a way you can and will get through it. Yeah. And it's almost like a, here's, here's a great example of somebody that took their pain and took their struggle, channeled it into something positive, and now, to the best of my knowledge, is is so much better and stronger and happier for it. Yeah. I uh he once did a an interview talking about how his he lives a life of extremes and that like he feels the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and things of that sort. And like I, I think just to kind of uh, let you update you on how he's doing. He's doing great. That's what I was um, hoping. Yeah, their their most recent album, 
really well done. Uh, they're, they're on tour for it. Um, and something that something about that, though, uh, is that he also did a, an interview talking about how every time he performs these songs, he essentially, in order to like perform it the best that he can, he, he relives those moments in his head. And so sometimes it's really hard for him to do a live performance in that like it is emotionally taxing for him, but like his bandmates are always there to kind of help him get through it. I can imagine too. And and on top of that, the amount of physical exertion it takes to play a, a whole high energy concert. Oh yeah. So the physical on top of the emotional strain, like God, like at the end of the night, he must just be ready to, to just fall into a, a black hole in the ground and not emerge right again. <laughs> like, just, like, can you imagine like how he's exa- like, I actually can imagine how exhausting that is. Yeah. Oof. It's rough, but like, I think that he's, I think that he's found the best way to deal with it. Like, I mean, I think that before music, his, his main approach was drugs and, and, and uh, now, audiences are his drugs well and it's great too because there's a there's a symbiotic relationship there whereas heroin for example very much uh one-sided very much one-sided relationship and you're not really going to help to to too many people by shooting heroin right whereas not only can you help yourself with your art but you can potentially connect with so many other people and you can potentially hopefully in the best of all possible scenarios inspire others or at the very least make them realize oh they're not uh, you know i'm not completely alone in this yeah and here's somebody who's faced what i faced and they're okay so maybe that means i can be okay too right yeah i think that that's i mean we've talked about it uh on the show a little bit in that like music or movies evoking emotion or being a medium for people to kind of like process that those things. Well, I've heard it said a bunch of times uh, that movies are essentially empathy machines. Yeah. And I feel like music, assuming we're not strictly talking about the most overproduced manufactured pop stuff that's out there, music functions very much the same way. Right. And I think that like, for especially for me and, and kind of going back to how this album uh, has affected me and because once my... again we got way far we lost the plot pretty hard at a certain oh, no, point no 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 i mean we're talking about the outlook bro you worry you i want know. i want the biographical facts <laughs> um i mean uh i mean essentially relating to how music can affect you like i as a person have always had trouble dealing with processing emotion and and it's because I've I've had depression since a very young age, and so like dealing with emotion is is very rough. Can I um, can I ask? And this is this is pertinent. We're not we're not going to talk about the Momoa Crow again. Yeah. Do you remember with any specificity, or even just ballpark it? Do you remember at what point in your life you you started to notice yourself dealing with depression? Um, I, mm, uh. I don't think I've, I I think I didn't identify it as depression until high school, but I've always had, um, in retrospect, I've always had it. I I can remember because I've, I don't really talk about my like upbringing very often. Dude, I'm only here for Um, your pain. 
Uh, well, you're going to get it. Um, so like I, I grew up in a, uh, a divorced household and it was a very like emotionally and physically abusive household. When did your, okay. First question. When did your parents split? Um, shortly after I was born. Okay. Yeah. See mine, mine, uh, split when I was 11. Oh yeah. I think that's rough. Like I had the, the, I guess, privilege of not remembering their, they're breaking up. I mean, I mean, look, yes, at 11, you're far more aware of it, but yeah. this was, this was by far the best possible decision for everybody involved. And it usually is like, it's, I always am under the impression or I I'm under the belief that it, it's better to live separately than stay together in an unhappy environment just because the kids exist. Right. That's not, I, I appreciate that you think you're doing it for them, but no, in fact, more often than not, you're doing it to them. Right. Um, so I, uh, I've, I've had the, I, I've never, I've only known the two different houses. I've never known a house with them together and a house with them separate. So that is, um, that is been, that's, that's my experience. Um, and so I have older sisters and, and varying, varying ages and so um they dealt with it in different ways a lot of them a lot of their their issues they decided to take out on me because i was the youngest and so so you were um, getting it from basically everybody right so it was so well you you just explicitly a minute ago referenced it being abusive i don't want to ask too many direct questions because it's your business to share if you feel comfortable yeah. it's not my place to jab at you for this information no i mean i'm in i'm an open book i'm not uh I, if this was probably around the time that i was listening to this album i would be like no i, mean, I grew up fine everything's fine I'm not gonna... but like i mean uh i'm i would talk about anything really at this point well so what if you feel comfortable what are you referring to i mean was it was it because there there's a range of different types of abuse so what what do you refer to um i was uh i was getting uh, beaten on a regular basis um in addition the, uh my my mom was kind of an alcoholic uh and so uh when i when when that stuff wasn't going on, it was also a, a barrage of uh, kind of insults. So I grew up with everyone kind of telling me I was like really shitty and dumb and things of that sort. Yeah, um, that sounds familiar. Yeah. So um, and then a, a big event happened when I was 12 and that like my adopted little sister got burnt. And so they were taken away by child protective services, um, which sent my mom into like a drinking spiral, which caused her to be really um, a lot more aggressive. Um, and so that happened because uh, I left some tea on a, on a uh, nightstand. And so it was explicitly my fault, which essentially had that ire directed directly and towards me. Of course, me. you're a child, so right. it's not, yeah, we don't have to get into how yeah, yeah, nonsensical yeah. it is to hold a child responsible for that. But. Right. Um, so uh, that was, that was, I think, probably a big turning point in that I was, I was already kind of just dealing with stuff, but then like, I think that was a big spiral for all of us. Um, so I think that once, but once I got to like, High school is when I was able to start kind of identifying it as like, I'm depressed. I feel nothing because it's easier that way. Like that whole thing. Um, 
So well, first of all, a lot of this I did not know about and Christ, dude, I'm really sorry that you had to go through all of that. And uh, my feelings are compounded because of how familiar so much of this sounds. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there were fewer people involved because I didn't grow up with siblings around me. But the rest of this rings some bells. Yeah. Um. So with that, like, basically, the the main way that I was able to kind of process emotion once I had, like, decided to start feeling them again was through music yeah and i was uh, movies were that for me i mean music as well but movies in like movies grabbed me as hard as they did because movies encompass all other art forms yeah it's photography it's music it's performance um so i, I yeah i mean i i the, the but the same way music is that for so many people like i essentially at a certain point actively chose movies over the rest of the world yeah the same way that i think yeah people that are are 10 times as passionate about music as as i am choose music as opposed to choosing not just anything else but everything else because yeah. you need something and unfortunately especially when you're young you don't a you don't necessarily know how to go to other people to help you or make it easier yeah but b the older you get you start to realize well if i knew how to go to them for answers or to make it better they're probably not going to have anything for me you know what i mean so like yeah. it's just it's just easier as long as you get to a point where you're able to function mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you have to function to be able to move forward and moving forward is of course absolutely key to all of it anything right but yeah constantly going back to to art any form of art uh any form of art any form of media as a way to connect yeah with the rest of the world to an extent uh because you can share an experience through art with other people and that can be uh, a great way to spark connection but also as a way to connect with yourself and i think that's incredibly relevant in the case of this album specifically because it sounds like that's not just what it enabled you to do but it sounds very much like that was the intent behind the album for josh ramsey to begin with yeah exactly like i think that if if i've learned anything from all of my experiences that like there's nothing innate about how we view the world and there's nothing that is essentially given in terms of like how we process the, like what we see, what we feel, what we experience. Um, and so, and I think that that in and of itself is kind of why the show exists in that, like realizing that we all see things from different perspectives and that we process them different and kind of experiencing how other people do it and, and taking bits and pieces from there helps us to also experience the world in a way that like, isn't just the way that we've figured it out in our own heads, but being able to see it from someone else's perspective ultimately helps us um, one know that we're not alone and that like everything that you go through, everything that you will go through has been experienced by someone else and being able to know that you can, if you find the right person, you can tap into that experience and find out how you yourself can process it. I think is very instrumental into like maintaining mental and, and physical health. Absolutely. I mean, especially but like, like we were saying empathy machines and especially yeah. if you are an empathetic person and not for nothing, it, 
is one of the hardest times in modern history to be a deeply empathetic person because yeah. you, you end up, whether you want to or not, you end up taking on the pain of others. And there are a lot of people that are in a lot of pain right now. Yeah. It's very, it's very hard to look around sometimes and not feel completely lost, completely spun around, completely helpless. And I can't sit here and say that there's any movie I can watch or song you can hear that suddenly a light's going to come on and you're going to know how to solve all of the world's ills. But what it can do for you is it can ground you, it can bring you back to yourself, and it can remind you... This is going to sound super hokey, but it can remind you why it is worth getting up every day and taking on the pain and the hurt of everybody else, whether you want to or not, because you're reminded that at their best, people are worth it and people are worth it. It's so obvious that people are worth it when you see how deeply people feel. And yes, unfortunately, some people deeply feel hate. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who deeply feel the same desperate need to connect that you do. And that express it in the ways that they express it because they cannot keep it inside. And I feel like that is a need that all of us have. Some of us shut ourselves off from it for different. Some of us do it willfully because we just want money or power and we don't care about anything else. Some of it do it. Well, I guess you could say it's willful, but some of us do it willfully to protect ourselves because it is the only way to keep moving forward. But empathy empathy it lets you know all of these pieces of art even the big goofy corporate stuff it's part of the reason i like the marvel movies so much is because it it more than anything else it connects me with myself mm-hmm. weirdly more than almost any other like movie series does and maybe in that specific case it's just because it takes me back to this feeling of being of being young and when you feel not that i'm old i'm not even 30 yet but <laughs> young where it's really felt like when you when you're young it feels like the possibilities are endless and the entire world is before you and anything anything that you dream of you really could accomplish if you focus and you are given enough time etc 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 and the older you get the more you realize that that for the vast vast majority of people that can only be a fantasy yeah but it's like hey that's it's like geez what a bummer but like no you're not alone in that either yeah and it connects me back to this feeling of feeling like okay it's like it puts you back in a headspace where you go oh maybe i can do this Mm -hmm. like like i'm not gonna i don't have super soldier serum i don't have the iron suit or the magic hammer although spoilers thor doesn't have the magic hammer anymore oh dang oh dang but it it connects me with this idea that it's all it's all worth it because people people can be good and people can be earnest and people can be loving and people can be empathetic if they choose to be. And I think that at its best is what art reminds us of is the shared experience that we have is the shared humanity that we have. And it's, it's connecting to others and it is connecting perhaps most crucially to ourselves. And I feel like without, without art, we we wouldn't have that at all. I feel like art more than anything else separates us from, animals which tell it like two like dolphins right are supposed to be crazy crazy smart and we don't know we don't know much about what's going on in the ocean at all that's true are do you think dolphins are having like way de- just just below where human beings can can dive to and or just in sections of this vast this massive 75 percent of the planet that we know basically nothing about do you think these dolphins are having like art gallery openings down there somewhere i would love to think that like just above the bottom of the ocean, there's a really dope dolphin louvre 
Whereas yes. it's just like a, a diamond shape and they go in and I, I don't know what they're painting with like krill. It's all living art. Yeah. You know, it's made from like plankton and uh, all the tiniest of creatures or even those bioluminescent creatures. And they have like these really sweet displays. Um, they don't really have a, a sense of currency. So it's all just made out of love. Like no one's doing it for profit. It's all just to show their inner thoughts and and the stuff that they love. You know what I'm saying? This is going to be so, so, so great until we move in and just co-opt all of it and start charging for it and just kill the entire thing. The image in my head right now is is like a, a, a really nice like coffee and tea bar adjacent to this like dolphin louvre yeah. where they do open mic nights like every, every like twice a week. And the image I have in my head is basically like a dolphin Marianas Trench uh-huh. where you've got like a dolphin Josh Ramsey. And of course, like they've got they've all got guitars or guitar looking things. It looks yeah. like some weird like dolphin tech. Right. But like with real long necks because they got fins. They don't have these right. long arms. So like long enough where they can just like tap at it with their fins and make music. Right, right, right. But like the dolphin, like the Josh Ramsey dolphin has the hair and everybody's like, how, how do you do that with your we're literally underwater right now. How do you get your hair to hold like that? And then the dolphin just turns and winks at the camera. Uh huh. And then like it cuts back. We've been watching a, a screen like footage that we sent a diving unit all the way down and it cuts to us like with the freeze frame of the dolphin looking at the TV, right? It's just you and me in a small office and you look over at me and I'm just like, how the crap do they do that with their hair? <laughs> uh, the secret is whale semen. Missing Outcast brought to you by whale semen. Gross. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Oh uh, geez. Um, we, uh, man, I really, yeah. I really hope that, uh, by the end of this conversation that Josh Ramsey is less mad at me for insulting his aesthetic, um, and his music video. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine with it. Um, kind of, uh, and, and circling back to you were, you were like, yeah, you can even enjoy like, like poppy, g- g- b- b- uh, corporate things. And I, I think that also beyond like art being these empathy machines, I think it's also important to just be able to enjoy things. Like it doesn't always have to be like super deep and meaningful, just the ability to sit down and like take something in and like laugh or smile or cry or enjoy just like that thing is something that I don't feel like people allow themselves a lot. They get really into their own. And also head. just because something is corporate, like the biggest, most crassly commercial studio product that you've ever seen in a movie theater is still art. Not all art is good art, but it is still art and I, I a lot of people i'll just use the marvel movies as an example again because they're actually a really perfect example so a lot of people uh in we actually we uh we did an episode with uh my friend xander robin uh last week our last episode was on uh, zulowski's possession and afterwards we all like went out and we got drinks so we could uh, like all catch up a little bit and uh xander's not really doesn't really keep track of the comic book movies like he watched wonder woman and he liked it but he doesn't really keep track of the marvel stuff and he referenced how there were people around him and and i guess like his immediate artistic community that were so dismissive of the very existence of these movies that they would just be like be like why would you watch these and that bums me out because i feel like and he was genuinely asking he's like so uh, because i hear that a lot why do you watch them and he Mm -hmm. meant it was a good faith question and he listened and the answer I gave had a lot to do with what I was saying before about it takes me back to this uh this childlike 
wonder, this this headspace of limitless possibility, and it seemed to make sense to him. But I keep this whole week, I've been fixated on who are these people? Because to me, that suggests that you are so dismissive of the idea of these as art because, yes, they are also corporate product that you didn't, you chose not to engage. And I wonder why people do that. Do they think that if they openly admit to liking like a big budget studio thing that they don't have street cred anymore? Like that means they're not really a movie fan? Like that doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. By the same token, I guarantee you there are plenty of people that when they read that like Marianas Trench uh, or Ramsey himself signed with Chad Kroger's record label, a lot of people would look at that and be like, yeah, hard pass. I don't want to mess up my street cred getting that Nickelback stink on me. <laughs> and no, I'm not a big Nickelback guy either, but th that's my point. Like just because it's attached to an entity or a name or, or, or what have you, uh, a body that is backing it, doesn't automatically make the thing of less value. I feel like right. I'm rambling a lot. Does no, this track I mean, no, I agree. Cause like you have to take things for what they are. Like if, if not for these like backings and these like big money givers, like the things that you enjoy wouldn't be able to exist um, in, in a way, shape or form. Like, I don't understand the idea of thinking that just because something like that someone quote unquote I'm making air quotes sold out gives any less value to the the content that they're putting out like people are still putting their heart and soul into this thing even if it's because they were allowed to do so because they were paid well and not for nothing unless it's a situation where the person was met with some success and then abandoned all of their friends and the people that helped them get there that's one thing but unless it's that, how often how often do you hear someone complain about someone else selling out and you don't quietly go, you're you're really mad because no one asked you to sell out. Right. Right. Um, but like also like, oh, I had another thought. No, it's gone now. All right. Goodbye, Lex Michaels thought. I'm making a bird motion with my hands. Goodbye. Uh, oh, but like, okay. So, so I got it. I got it back. <laughs> Uh, but also, too, it's like maybe people are mad at like big movie. I mean, look, some of them, yes, are not very good. And for the amount of money that goes into them, some of them should be better than they are. But they go into a big movie or they, they look at a big movie and they're just like, uh, another one of these. And meanwhile, like real interesting, compelling, like adult movies, especially made in a certain budget range, like nobody's making those anymore. Uh, and like, that's true. Yeah. And I find that to be as big of a downer as anyone who's sitting there saying the things that I'm saying. However, I can't get mad at the studios because the studios are driven by box office. Right. Box office is driven by audiences. If audiences are only going to see the big cynical commercial stuff and not going to anything smaller, I don't know how much of that can be blamed on the studios and not on the audience for not seeking out or supporting these other movies. Right. So I feel like maybe you're pointing the finger in, in the wrong direction, but then am I not encouraging more people to be mad at each other, which is not what we need? <laughs> so it's a it's a bit of a catch-22? A little bit. I mean, though, if you feel like someone, like people aren't viewing these quote-unquote adult movies or these like high-concept, low-budget movies enough, why don't you like why don't you start championing for them? Why don't you come on this show and talk about what they're missing out on? And so that more people can understand 
exactly what it is that you see in these products. Um, because I feel like if you're not like most of these big budget movies are have like a million, four million dollar marketing campaigns. So just more people know about them. But if you take it upon yourself and you think that there's something out there that's so amazing, so such a big artistic venture that everyone should experience it, then champion it. Let them know. Find a way to get the word out there that this thing exists. Right. Because uh, because unfortunately, the reality is, uh, well, on the one hand, I, I hear all the time people are like, uh, there's like no uh, Hollywood's not making any original movies I, anymore. There's just nothing like creative or different or unique coming out. And I'm like, nonsense. These movies aren't necessarily, this is true. These movies aren't necessarily being distributed by the biggest studios in town anymore, which is a shame. But there are so many great, like this year has actually been a really great movie year so far. It's just, yeah, these movies need need champions on a bigger scale than they've been afforded. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I agree, Tari, with what you just said 100%. And yes, if you can come on this show to do so, great, do it. But if you can't, these movies, these, these a lot of albums, like some of the greatest artists that have ever lived or ever will live, you will never know who they are mm-hmm. because they, they, their work was not championed. All, all art that isn't backed by, say, the Walt Disney Corporation needs needs champions it needs voices out there saying yes i i deeply appreciate this here's why here's why i believe we need more things like it and that's the only way we'll get more things like it is by championing really interesting offbeat unique works of art and yes that also means going to support it that championing does not mean you tell all your friends about it after you pirate it championing (laughs) means like if you're able to yes you go support it and that's that's a that's a full fifty percent of championing the thing mm-hmm. is actually supporting it. Actually, put your money where your mouth is because even if you it, it, tell every friend you have about it, if you say, "Also, I stole this," and you encourage them to do the same, guess what? If everyone does that, they're not making any more of that thing. Right. So so support it, champion it. Uh, and yeah, that that I've been harping the movies thing really really actively, but that also it, it's even harder now for artists to profit making music. Oh yeah, it's so doubly so for music. They need champions. Yeah, and word of mouth is probably one of the strongest forms of marketing. Like it's the slowest form, but it is also one of the most powerful. Yeah, read that that tipping point that Malcolm Gladwell he's he's like uh, what you said. Yeah, um, <laughs> there's actually the tipping point is exa- is about exactly that, and it is <laughs> fascinating. I have not read it in a long enough time to be able to really like break the book down for you. But the tipping point is exactly that: is how these trends catch on, and how different types of people facilitate different steps in turning something into like tipping it over into actually being a trend or a part of the lexicon. Yeah, um, and so speaking of word of mouth. Uh, I'm gonna do all the the wrapping pieces for this show. Yeah, we uh, did a we did a lot of a lot of talk today. Yeah, and seriously, by the way, dude, like in all seriousness, I I appreciate your willingness to open up because because like we talk about all the time, that is part of what this show is. It's it's not just what we like. It's not even just why we like the thing in a vacuum. It's it's what does this mean to us? What is what what tie does this have to our our experience, whether that is uh, positive or in some cases negative. Yeah. So yeah, dude, that was, I appreciate you, you opening up like that. 
Uh, well, thank you for that. And of course, like uh, we've we've said, I think maybe on or off mic that like any if if our sharing of our emotions can help anyone resonate with either what we're presenting or our own experience, like that is worth dividends uh karmically i don't believe in karma oh man if you if if if, uh if you're ready if you're ready to go to go like big big heavy emotions then next week we'll tell you all how you're missing out on the contents of our checking accounts oh yeah hell yes (laughs) (laughs) um so thank you for listening to missing out um if you have a chance Uh, Go on iTunes or whatever your medium. We're on Stitcher. We're also on Google Play Store. And if you can, leave a comment. Leave us a rating. It helps us bubble to the top of the charts and helps other people find us. Uh, Also, again, word of mouth. Tell your friends that you like the show that we're doing. And it'll help them uh, also resonate with what we're doing. Um, And tell us what you thought of either Mariana's Trench or of any of the other shows on our Twitter, which is Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. But you can also hit us up personally uh, on our Twitters, Lex Michael, what's yours? I am all over social media at the Lex Michael and Josh Ramsey. If you're listening, I'm sorry I made fun of your hair. <laughs> I am not sorry, but you can also find me at Tari J, T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y, hashtag Tari Not Sorry. Uh, yep, that's uh, the new hashtag. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Too bad. You're chained to the thing. Uh, next week you'll do the show with Josh Ramsey. Yay! All right. Thanks again. Bye. Cool. Good show. Good show, old boy.